Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. I think when we we hear the term backsliding, we tend to think of, you know, a Christian that's saved, uh, bought with the blood, bought with the price, And and that Christian that's gotten into some just deep sin, you know, and we we typically when we hear backsliding, that's what we equate it to. But I'd like to take a step back this morning and look at it, look at backsliding from the perspective of when distraction comes into our lives. In Second Corinthians chapter number eleven, um, the. Bible says in verse number three, 2 Corinthians 11, verse number three. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, that's an interesting verse concerning the fact that Paul, the Holy Spirit's inspiration goes all the way back to the Genesis account to give us a truth. It's because his grounds for fear were based on the truth that he brings out that, well, Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. In other words, women are more easily deceived. Now, gentlemen, we can all put our hand up this morning and say, look, we've been fooled, we've been duped, we've been deceived. But the point Paul's trying to bring out on the Holy Spirit's inspiration in this passage is that his grounds for fear was that the woman was deceived. Deception is a dark art. (laughs) Distraction is deception. And what all of us have to realize is that false teachers are very persuasive and they come across very attractive. This verse talks about the simplicity that is in Christ. And just like Eve was subtly beguiled, the truth is this for us, I believe, to get a hold of this morning. Let us not be like that. So easily deceived, it should be simplicity in Christ. If our heart, what what was the problem that Eve had? Her heart's desire was fixed on another object rather than God. And if our heart is fixed on another object rather than the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have lost that simplicity, which this verse talks about, is found in Christ. That's the heart of where backsliding starts. We've lost the simplicity found in Christ. Really, we should be simply Bible believers. The adding in of traditions that are not rooted in the Bible, there's nothing wrong with traditions. It's just those that aren't rooted in the Bible or take away from Bible truth we should get rid of. We we know the philosophy of the world. We know that shouldn't come into the church. 
we've lost the simplicity that's in Christ. We've lost the simplicity of just being Bible believers. And what happens is, the next thing you know, just like Eve, something so simple slips in. And that's the heart of backslide. A heart's desire is on something other than the simplicity of Christ. Also, along those lines of thought, if you would go to 2 Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy, the third chapter. I don't believe any of these verses will be unfamiliar to you. I do hope we can bring a perspective that would cause us all to dwell on these things regarding distraction. Uh, So our heart's desire, that's the first point. The second point is this. Your failure to read the Bible, my failure to read the Bible on our own will become an issue that will lead into backsliding. You can't just come and get stuff from me. You can't just, I mean, we're in America. If you don't like what you hear at church, you just turn on the internet and you find somebody else. Like it's hard to find somebody to agree with. It's not. It's not. But you can't just do that. I can't just watch my favorite YouTube preacher. I can't just listen to preaching. I can't just preach. I have to study. I have to read the scriptures for myself. Men, especially leaders of your homes, tag, we're in. That's our responsibility. So this isn't a new verse uh, that would be something you haven't heard before. Look at verse 16, last two verses, for, uh, chapter 3. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Twice we see the word is, not was. It's not a past tense thing that people had when it was the first century or prior. It's something right now that you can get some profit from. That the man of God may be what? Perfect, really furnished unto what? All good works. There's been an attempt to get rid of God's word um, with arguments like, well, it's too hard to read, so we need to we need to kind of repair it from the hardness. But yeah, I had this in my mind, you know, my son's in the flight and aviation and all that. Uh, you know, pilots don't say that. They have a whole language. Pilots don't say, you know, it's, it's just too hard to read. The language is too hard to read. How come we just can't say A, B, C, D, E, F, G? How can we? That's just easier for people to read and understand. Well, it's not. They have to learn Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, Foxtrot, Dolph, Hotel, India, Juliet, Kilo, Lima, Mike, November, Oscar, Papa, Quebec, Romeo, Sierra, Tango, Uniform, Victor, Whiskey, X-Ray, Yankee, Zulu. Well, isn't it just easier to say ABC? Like when somebody gets into something else that they're really excited about, they don't say, you know, that's just kind of antiquated. Nobody uses that Morse code system anymore. Isn't that something that the rules change when it comes to the book? But you've got some scripture you can trust. 
I didn't do much research, but just a little for the sake of this point for this lesson, but aircrafts have a transponder code. They call it squawk. Well, that's hard to understand. Yeah, it is hard to understand. But if you love aviation, you will do your diligence to study and understand it, won't you? I'm telling you, if you love God, wouldn't you want to just study his word? It's going to be hard. So is doing push-ups. Right. <laughs> I don't want to exercise. It's too hard. Okay, then be out of shape. And if you don't want to study God's word because it's too hard to read, then be spiritually out of shape. But anyway, this, this squawk code, uh, it can be a standard code or a discrete code. It's used by air traffic control. To, to make it even more difficult, not only that, it can be used as a noun, it can be used as an adjective, or it can be used as a verb. Now, this is all in aviation manuals and learning. Man, that's hard. I don't even know what that word means. Now, there's two meanings of it, and under those two meanings, there's three more meanings. As to the proper use of the word, that's just too hard. I guess I'm getting out of aviation. Well, I guess you might just want to. Because nobody wants to get in a plane with you and crash. And I don't want anybody to get in a plane with me and crash. I'll stick to the antiquated language. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Mayday, mayday. You know what that means? <laughs> well, that's antiquated. Oh, well, it isn't now because I just used it. And when you hear it, you know exactly what it means. And don't tell me you get tripped up on the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots. A four-year-old child can understand exactly what that means. But I'm telling you, backsliding starts with not only a heart's desire that is affixed on something other than the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it also is coupled with failure or neglect of your own personal Bible study and Bible reading. Go to Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews 10. Bible says in verse number 25, Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. We might not gather together as much as we should because maybe our eyes aren't fixed on the day we see approaching. <laughs> so, and we don't like exhorting. So why show up with people that might exhort me? And the heart and mind, you, you, look, nobody, nobody alive, myself included, wants to be seen as the bad guy in a decision. This is why when we forsake the assembly or we don't show up for church, we've got to have a really, really good reason because we don't want ourselves to look like we're disobeying God. And when people argue and when people have discussions, it's basically a battle of, look, I'm a Christian. I don't want you to see me as not being a Christian. So I have to position myself in the situation so it looks like I'm really being spiritual. That's backsliding. That's a heart that's sliding back. When I do it, it's backsliding. And when you do it, it's backsliding. There's a lot of distractions to keep people out of church. 
Many churches, many churches, like the, the, the young man that mows our grass. Now, doesn't that lawn look good? I don't come out and do it. But, but the church pays somebody to come out and, and do that lawn. Praise the Lord. We want, we want the church house to look presentable. Well, I'm talking to that fella and gotten to know him over the last two seasons. And I uh, said, uh, hey, you, you know, you're welcome to join us for church. Well, he's got a church that he already goes to. But we started talking. He's starting to give me his backstory. He said, yeah, you know, I, I grew up in a church. I won't mention the name, but it's in town. And he said, the thing's just, it's five people. They're all over 70 and nobody wants to do anything. How many services did you have? Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, midweek, four services. When that church starts dwindling, you know how it starts dwindling? Less people start coming. Three services. Less people start coming. Two services. When you get down to one service a week, you know what's next? See those doors? They're going to be bolted shut. Nobody's coming. The thing's dead. Put a, put a fork in it. The work's done. Why? Because of backstory. Because of forsaking the assembly. And it's not like the pandemic was the first distraction that would cause people to get out of church. The 1970s, it was the TV. My favorite show's on. I can't make it to mid. In the 1980s, computers were the big thing. In the 1990s was video games. I can't make it to Sunday evening. I'm trying to beat Mario Brothers or whatever the game is. In the 2000s, it was Facebook. I can't talk with my friends at the church house because I have my Facebook friends. 2010s, it was the YouTube Video binge bowl of the, the really bulged. And then in 2020s, we have a overabundance of social media. God's people is, has, have always had face-to-face social interaction. You know what social media is? It's screen-to-face interaction. The screen serves as the conduit between a human face and another human person that's on a screen. You know what Christians need? Face to face. If you are sick, if you are elderly, if you are handicapped, if you are caring for somebody who is sick, who is elderly or handicapped, (laughs) Or if your job requires you to work, you know what they all are? Legitimate excuses to stay out of church. Well, church is the body of Christ, so you can't get out of Christ. To stay out of the assembly of the body when they assemble together. Those are legitimate excuses. You can't expect somebody that's in their 80s and 90s to be at the church house every time the doors are open. When it is a chore just to get ready one time. We've got face-to-screen interaction for those situations. But I said all that to say this. 
look, we have been being trained for 50 years to sit in front of some type of screen and listen to what it tells us to do. Through all those things that I just mentioned, we have been programmed through the programming <laughs> to sit in front of screens, whatever it says I'll do. So this idea that, you know, the pandemic was the big distraction that got everybody out of church. No, it's just a continuation of the same stuff that people fall for. If you're sick, stay home. We have the we have the interaction screen to face for that reason. But if you got another distraction that isn't a legitimate one that's keeping you out of the assembly, and yes, I mean Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then brother, sister, pray about that. Pray about. It. Well, I'm not coming. Okay, well, I'm not forcing. I'm just saying. I'm just preaching. I don't like that preaching. Well, deal with the distraction. I don't like it. I don't like it. I do this study, and then the next one I get to, I realize I've What's the one thing that Christians, besides witnessing, should be doing? Fellowshipping and prayer, which would be the next one. Go to James 4. Look, there's something in the Bible to offend everybody. I don't like this, that preaching. Well, I don't like that preparing because I prepare it. I read this next one and I don't like it because it convicts me. So we really should just say, you know what, all of us, let's just welcome to the club. I mean, welcome to the club. The preacher's a mean man. He said something that I don't like. It may, it messes with my, well, good, good. I thank God for the men that God put in my life, the mentors that God put in my life. It caused me to get that feeling in my stomach. He said, you know what, I really don't like that. And after a week or a month or sometimes half a year, I realized, Maybe I should have gotten a hold of that. James chapter 4. This is an example here. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. You've got two contradicting, which seems to be contradicting phrases. In verse number two, ye ask not. And then in verse number three, it says ye ask. But the asking, when it's based on your own lusts, you're not asking the right way. It's just as well you're not asking. Because God wants us to approach him the right way. A lot of prayer. You know I said that? Because a lot of prayer in, in my life, and probably if I were to guess in your life, is violating this principle in James. Because we ask prayers to satisfy our carnal desires. 
And I am not even suggesting to you that all of it is wrong. It's just, I, I, for me, I know that there's some of it in there where I'm violating this verse, and it is wrong. We either want something we don't have, or we fear someone will take away something that we do have. Now think about that for a second. It's just easier to build a big mega deal. It is. Because you just leave everything alone and you don't talk with convicting and plain speech. You know, we we're at the outreach yesterday and it was great. It was really good. It was really good. One of the best ones we had. I think eight or nine folks were out and then us. And it was just, it was great. But, uh, I was speaking to this one family, and then someone else had come over that I assumed was either part of their family or a friend of the family. Big old guy, and uh, you know, he get hair down the middle of his back, and I we started to get into a conversation, and so I'm witnessing to this man, and I pressed him on some really straight to the point questions, and every answer that he gave me was was solid and so i finally said it sounds like you know christ is your savior i'm i'm trusting that you're a saved born again believer you, you know you're not trusting works and baptism and denominations oh yeah yeah amen amen he goes actually i'm the i'm the uh campus worship leader down in cookville and i'm thinking as the conversation is going on i'm talking to him as if i think he's over on tennessee tech which is a campus but as the conversation went on, I realized he is not talking about the college. He is talking about the church that he goes to. And at that moment, I realized to myself, wait a minute. They don't call them churches anymore. They call them campuses. <laughs> and I said, wow. I'm thinking to myself, I, I actually said that to him. I said, wow, they, it's not called a you guys call them campuses, not churches? Though. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, you know what he had, right? He had the gospel, right? And you know what my heart wants to pray at that moment? Lord, just let me light this guy up with all the stuff that I think he has wrong that I want him to get right. Does that ever happen to you? Because <laughs> it happens to me quite often. I mean, it's a good way to talk yourself out of witnessing. It's, it's one of the reasons why, if you ever seen guys out on the street, street, they're not street preaching, they're street yelling at people. It, it, it's because of this type of tomfoolery. They just get so frustrated year after year, decade after decade. They're just upset and bitter at everybody. I'm telling you, if we don't get our prayer life in order, that's a recipe for backslide. It's a, it's a recipe. You know, we talk about fighting and wars and all this. And we call killing one man. That guy's a murderer. But one man killing thousands, man, we call that a war hero. <laughs> we went to war for that. Now, don't misunderstand. Praise God for the men who have fought and died for our country in a war. But we need to be careful. We're not that murderer. One will put in jail, the other will give a badge of honor. 
Don't give yourself. I'm not going to, please. We should not give ourselves badges of honor because we are asking to consume it upon our own lusts. That's a prayer life headed for disaster. That's a backsliding prayer life. How can this be avoided? By being content with what you have. What does the One News Network say? Fair and balanced, you know, fair and honest, whatever. There really should be some fair and honest, fair and balanced negotiations. You know what that requires? People face to face, not face to screen, not face to, you're ghosted. That's the new term. They just, people ghost you. You know what's great about witnessing? Face to face. We use the social media, things come up. And people have negative things to say. And you know what I can do? I can get in a face-to-screen negotiation with them. And it probably won't go anywhere. But man, if I can get face-to-face, now that person can see your body language. He can, he can hear your voice tonality. He can sense the spirit of the compassion that you have for him. Rather than, I just want to show this guy that I can win on the line. That's a prayer life that's headed for disaster. Yes, not because you have not. God makes promises to those who pray, not to those who fight. And God does not recognize a heart full of lust and a heart full of our own personal desires. He does not recognize that as prayer. And it's basically James 4 has given us, okay, well, guys, that's the reason why there's wars and fightings. Amen. All right, last one, we'll go to Acts 16. Acts 16. Last point I'd like to speak to you this morning about in our Sunday school lesson is failure to rejoice in all that God has done is another recipe, another ingredient added to the recipe of disaster that's headed for backsliding. Don't we like to say the guy that's out drinking, the guy that's out drugging, the guy that's out fornicating, the guy that's out gambling, the guy that's out at the dance hall all night? Don't we like to say, man, that's yeah, that guy's either backslidden or not saved. You know, we like to categorize these big fat sins. As well, that's the Christian that backslides. You know why we do that? I mean, there's some truth to it. Yeah, I mean, that would categorize a backslider as well. You've been in church all your life. Now you're spending, now you're spending your Friday nights at the bar. What's going on here? There's a there's a reason, a legitimate reason for concern, right? But the other reason that we may do this is in line with James four. Since we don't do those sins, we feel like a big shot. <laughs> I'm okay with beating up people on their sins. I just don't like when the Lord sends somebody my way to show me my sin. I'm telling you, prayer life with that attitude, it's not right. Not right. And a failure to rejoice in all that God has done is also would lead us down a road of backslide. Now, praise the Lord 
this did not happen to me and my family when we came to good old-fashioned Cookville, Tennessee. But let's read this account and let's put ourselves into this account. Look at, look at Acts chapter number 16. Imagine you're going to go to Philippi, okay? And in Acts chapter number 16, look at verse number 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, praise the Lord. And it's not the kind we just talked about in James 4. It's, I mean, it's spirit-filled prayer. A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Man, that's great. We're out in the city of Philippi and we find ourselves a sinner. And man, this is going on. You imagine just get everybody together and praying up, man, we got we got we, we got to do our best to witness this person. The same followed Paul and us and cried saying, "These men are the servants of the most high God which show us the way of salvation." Man, here comes those folks from Pilgrim again. Well, we came in and there was the guy working security and he recognized us from last year and he says to me, the first thing he says to me is this, not hi, welcome to Granville. He says, you looking for where the moonshiners are? I said, no, sir. We're just looking for someone to give the good news of salvation. We want to know the way of salvation. And ironically enough, last year, he didn't take a gospel track from us. And he's a Roman Catholic man. So I related to him with that last year and we talked for a good bit. But no, I don't need any of that. Well, this year he took one. But praise the Lord. So praise the Lord. So we're there, you know, you, so you want to show somebody the way of salvation, man. Just like here in, in, in Philippi. And this did she many days, verse 18. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now, I'd like to have that sign gift. I don't, I don't have that touch today. I believe that is past. But man, you imagine living in the book of Acts. Man, the Pentecostals, they'd just be loving it. <laughs> Some good fruit came out. Verse 19, and when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were done, were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them unto the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. Oh boy. Some troubles hidden. So far, I'm good with the story. I'm good so far, I'm good with being in Philippi. I'm good with being Paul to Silas. You're probably good with being a companion of Paul at that point, aren't you? All right, well, let's keep reading. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. If my preacher would have told me, look, you're, we're, we're going to be sending you out to Cookville, and I just want you to know you're going to stand between before the judge, and they're going to strip you down, and then they are going to beat you mercifully, mercilessly. I think I'll stay here. Maybe there's somebody else that would go. Because there's a part 
in our hearts that says, you know what, Lord, I can go do something. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But look what happened. You think they planned that? But that's what happened. Let's keep reading. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Yeah, they're going to be real safe. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, have you ever been in stocks? If I would have known that I had to have my arms in stocks or my feet in stocks or my head in a stock or anything in a stock that's in prison, I don't really consider that an environment of safety. (laughs) It wouldn't really be good for my mental health, let alone my physical health. Okay, so somebody says... Preacher, I want to be in the ministry. And if I were to bring them to this verse, this chapter, I'd say, okay, if you go to that town, do you think this is going to happen to you? Well, no, that's why I'm going. Okay, then don't go. Because that might happen to you. Well, we live in America. I know we live in America now, but in another decade, that might not be the case. So are you going to be a missionary? Are you going to be a preacher? Are you going to be an evangelist? Are you going to serve God when the conditions are how you want them? Or are you willing? To go through this. Well, yeah, I'll do it, but I just won't like it. Okay, let's keep reading. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. I don't know about you, but if I was Paul Silas, and we just had someone that was possessed with a devil know the way of salvation, I'm praising God. Man, we just lit the town up. Can you imagine that? We just came walking through and then just, boom, we just, somebody got saved. I'm praising God. I want the whole town to know. But as soon as they strip off my clothes and they beat me, they throw me in jail. I'm in stocks. I'm not turning to Brother Eric and saying, maybe we should pray. I'm turning to Brother Eric and I'm saying, get me out of this place. This isn't right. God, why did this happen to me? And Brother Eric would probably then turn to me and say, Brother, maybe we should just pray. (laughs) Okay, but I'm not going to be happy about it. Except they were. Watch what it says. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword, would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoner had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. They called for a light and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, 
believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, now shalt be saved and thy house. And I'm telling you, if you're honest this morning, I'm trying to be honest, as honest as I can and as transparent as I can. Paul and Silas did not know that that was going to happen when they're in jail. When that devil was delivered, they did not know they were going to get beaten, put in stocks, and in jail. Now they're in jail. They don't see the end of it that someone else is going to get saved. God worked it out. And in the midst of that, they did not complain or murmur. They prayed and rejoiced. God worked the thing out. Now, if my preacher would have told me, that's what you're going to have to go through for somebody to get saved. You still want to go to a foreign town in a foreign land where nobody knows you? You sure you still want to go? Now, what's your answer? Because the plans I had for coming here might not come to fruition. And the plans you have here in going out and witnessing to people might not come to fruition. The plan God might have for you and for me is you're going to need to be locked up in jail. And fill in the blank with another analogy that might fit you before God can use you for someone else to get saved. Now, look, there's a part of that that I don't like any more than you don't like. Because I don't want to be in jail, and I don't want to get beaten, and I don't want to be put in stocks for somebody to get saved. Well, you're going to have to come to God like I come to God and say, here I am, Lord, just use me. And let him use you. Let him use you. And you get too comfortable with your creature comforts. Look, I do it. I'm trying to adjust the temperature. I want everybody to be comfortable. We have older folks here. I want them to be comfortable. I don't want them to be. We get used to that stuff. I'm not saying it's wrong. Just need to be, we need to be careful. And I believe that's why sometimes we need a preacher that's going to say, hey, why don't you come on out? Why? I want you to experience a little bit of this. We got it easy. Backsliding starts in the things we spoke about. We're ending with. Failure to rejoice in all that God has done is going to cause us to go down that backward sliding course. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.